0: Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, educator, vocalist from Durham, North Carolina, Lois DeRoche. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today we have Lois with us. Ma'am, thank you for joining us. Thank you for
1: having me. It is my absolute pleasure.
0: Well, please get a short introduction and then we go into it.
1: I'm Lois DeLoach. I'm sitting here in Durham, North Carolina. You know, North Carolina is just a hotbed and haven for all kinds of music, jazz, blues, soul gospel, and um, I'm thrilled to have this forum to talk about an art form that I love a lot. Okay. Well, ma'am, thank
0: you for joining us. And the first thing I'm going to ask, because you already said it, your latest album, Love Always, you're clearly gospel-influenced on this
1: album. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just last night, uh, Leander, I was on a panel at Haytai Heritage Center, which is the Black Cultural Arts Center here in Durham, um, discussing Dr. Henry Louis Gates' upcoming film, Gospel, uh, and the influence of church music, I would say, on many musicians. Uh, just that impact is immeasurable. Um, and one of the other panelists was um, uh, Mark Anthony Neal of Duke University, who's uh, a cultural critic of of great note, and one of the ministers from a church. And we had this lively conversation about the continuum um, of church music and the influence of church music. And that's been the case on me. Uh, From the time I was a kid, um, I've been involved with choirs, I sang with the gospel choir in college. Um, And so gospel music is part of my soul. And jazz is on that continuum. So is uh, blues and folk and, and the other music that I love.
0: Uh, the only sad thing I'll say about that is because we don't have as many people in the church or going to the gospel, choirs and everything, mm-hmm. it affects our music in the real yeah. world. And that's yeah. one beautiful thing about even the 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. 60s era of music. Yeah. All them gained their experience from the church and then yeah. they came into pop and that's why you hear them singing at that type of level. Right,
1: right. yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I think there is something about, and I will speak for myself, it's the emotion, it's the authentic authenticity. It comes from a place in your spirit and soul that cannot be replicated or duplicated. For example, last night, the choir, gospel choir from the local university, HBCU, North Carolina Central University, Before the panel, they sang three songs. Absolutely. Man, if everybody was clapping and joining in, it's just something that you cannot replicate without being in that space. Um, So much of it uh, is within the walls and within your heart and soul.
0: Okay, something I have to ask you, since you are really into HBCUs, okay, how come we don't see any more groups really coming from there? We had the Blackburns from the seventies come from the actual oh, University. Yeah. Fact, we had boys and men come from the groups over there. What's what's going on over there now?
1: You, I think you have a lot of people still coming from there. I think the landscape to present music um, has changed a lot. Um, so again, the the sort of pipeline to um, I wouldn't even say stardom, but that sort of pipeline to be featured looks a little different now. But for example, in North Carolina Central that I just mentioned, they have one of the top college jazz bands in the country. If you were to go to Jen, the Jazz Educators Network, they've played at the White House. They have played all over the place. It's just an outstanding, and I think a number of the, uh, the musicians are now moving into different spaces and perhaps not starting their own groups the way they maybe did before, but Um, Honestly, I can't answer that question succinctly, but I will tell you that the talent is there, the passion is there, and the schools are still producing outstanding musicians.
0: Okay. I always agreed with you that the talent's been there. It's just I want to see more groups at – I was not – Bashing popular music at this time, we could go into that different. No, no, no,
1: no. no, I don't think you're bashing popular music. I think one of the things you're speaking to is very real for artists in general, but particularly for musical music artists. You know how how do you make a viable career and living out of it, right? Good Um, luck on that. (laughs) You you really do. So one of the things that I admire, for example, at NCCU, they are now teaching as part of the curriculum, the business of music, the business of the arts. So having students think about long before they graduate, how do you make this a career? If you're going to front and start a band, are you going to teach? Are you going to, um, you know, are you going to um, write? How are you going to? make a viable living with that. And I think that's really incredible that they're doing that.
0: But it's a private university school, right? So
1: it's a public university.
0: Okay, so that's not Mm -hmm. as bad as some Mm -hmm. of these universities. These guys are spending 60 plus K a year. No. And I'm just like, yeah
1: no this is still very affordable um and they get lots of practical experience um as you mentioned our good friend Branford marcellus lives here Branford and joey are in residence at north carolina central university so those students are learning from the best you know a, you name it all you know whether it's the heath brothers who were there who were old school you have you know javon jackson who was just there you have all kinds of artists who are coming in the students have opportunities to actually play with these uh, folks who are professionals.
0: Okay, understood. So the lyrics for your album, I just want to know what were you thinking of this? Are you like that deep in that?
1: <laughs> Very deep in that. So thank you so much. I um, The recording is called Love Always. And uh, it is dedicated to my beloved late parents, Walter and Rosa May Deloach. My father died in December of 2022 at the age of 98 years young. Um, and his passing marked the end of an era in my family. Uh, I am now one of the elders. I get to be the storyteller and the griot now. So the the, the Recording is a collection of what I would say would be uh, memories, um, its inspiration from them. For example, the first, um, and from my parents and my family, the first tune is called Occasional Brilliance. And um, the first line of that song, it says, it's later than you think. And that's a line from my Aunt May, who died at 101, and she would, admonish all of the young people in the family. It's later than you think. Life is short, time is fleeting. Get your stuff together and get your house in order, right? Uh, For my tune though, the lyrics speak to the times. We do so little with all we have and what we know. We're always on the brink of disaster, man-made or natural. Slowly we're sinking, not thinking, not caring, not sharing, no self-control. Deeper and deeper we spiral. Our survival is constantly fragile. And I, I point that out, Leander, to say, we can do better. When we know better, we can do better. Um, and I think we can.
0: Okay. No, I agree with that. I agree with the message for the whole album. I agree with the spiritual shelf. It's just the only thing I was just curious about in just mm-hmm. terms of the album is like, oh. was, your, was your grandfather an actual descendant of the slavery
1: trade? Oh yes, my, okay. my uh yes, my um my the land on which my family's home sits right now, um my father's grandfather was a union army soldier, he ran away to um ran off before the end of slavery, and so we have this uh, legacy in my family that we want to um, want to uphold and we want to talk about, and the song, and the tune on the recording called "Souls Remember," um, is just that. That particular tune was influenced by music of Terence Blanchard. I adore Terence Blanchard's music, and he wrote, um, or actually, he the tune he did after Katrina. Um, was one of the tunes that really influenced this. And there were three or four notes um, over over there is the name of the tune. I don't know if it was his original composition or it was one that he reinterpreted, but there's something about it that's so poignant and deep. Um, there's just a few notes that inspired this entire um, song. Okay.
0: No, I, like I said, the only stuff I would even question is I would have changed the music order around uh my loser drummer percussionist self loved Mm -hmm. into the night because of the fanfare build up and then i'm like uh i mean into the fire and then i was just like ah ah you killed me on that man i was waiting for something to build up
1: no no no. thank you for pointing that out so into the fire Actually, is the intro to Friendly Fire. It was okay. written okay. all as one tune. I chose to separate the two because particularly, as you know, for airplay, people don't like long intros, and especially from <laughs> vocalists. They're waiting for you to sing something, right? Um, so Into the Fire and Friendly Fire really is just one song. Um, this song in particular was written for my two brothers, Robert and Donald, who were both Vietnam-era veterans, both who are no longer with us, they were um, casualties of Agent Orange um, and both uh, succumbed succumbed, um, to um, health conditions related to Agent Orange and Mm. the lyrics from Friendly Fire, the news called war, you said it was hell, it's all the same to the casualties. You know, we sent you there and they stayed here. You know, you were there on the front line of tragedy. So, um, but thank you for pointing that out. That's, that's an interesting way to think about it. It was uh, a buildup. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: It's just, no. I, I, yeah, I know. And I try to listen to one track, at least when I'm doing an interview track, take a note, mm-hmm. track, take a note. So when it was like that, yeah. I, I didn't mm-hmm. assume it was going to be a continuous thing. So that's yeah. my fault. But mm-hmm. yeah, you had me on the buildup.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm glad you mentioned that. The way we curate our listening now is different. Uh, Particularly when I'm listening to new artists, sometimes I'll put it on shuffle and I don't listen to it in the order in which it's on the recording. But as you probably know, having listened to lots of recordings, um, often for the first listen, though, I will listen continuously because most artists have put some thought in to the order of the songs that they present.
0: I mean, I'm just glad it's a full album because that's starting to be a dying thing also in our field, Mm -hmm. but I understand why. It costs too much money and then a lot of times, most of the time, you're not getting the money back. And you mentioned the airplay part. I kind of hate that about our stations because Mm -hmm. they are less and less jazz stations now. A lot of them don't want to put on a full out string. And then there's Mm -hmm. some of the more popular ones I won't mention their names. You could think who they are. It's like, I didn't turn on a jazz station to hear you talk. Yeah. I wanted to hear yeah. the music.
1: <laughs> so, it, so I love that comment also because my husband and I co-hosted a jazz radio show for pro- almost four years on our local station here. It's um, affiliated with the university, with NCCU, the HBCU. It's WNCU 90.7 FM. Mm-hmm. And we hosted a Sunday uh, show from 4 to 6 p.m. No from six to nine Sunday evening classics. And we played a lot of classic jazz, but we also introduced some new artists. And you're absolutely right. When we put our show together, we kept the commentary to a minimum for that very reason.
0: And at least thank you for throwing some modern people in there because Mm -hmm. dude, I get it. I love Coltrane, I love Miles, but Mm -hmm. they both passed before I was born. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're not helping us here. Mm -hmm. And-
1: Oh, I, 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 I could I, go
0: deeper into that, and I could no, no, mention no. your friend. But no,
1: no, no, no. I think my only pushback there would be balance, because I also think when you are pairing the Coltrane um, with a Kenny Garrett, no, I understand or that. If yes. you, right. Or if you're pa- or if you're pairing um, McCoy Tyner, you know, who again has North Carolina roots, um, with um, you know, whomever, you know, you you want Robert Glaspar or whomever, right? It's good to be able to talk about and give a little context so that new listeners appreciate where that music came from.
0: I Um, understand that. But what I mean is like kind of blue. mm -hmm. Do I really need to hear that? I just say on a six hour fix, do I have to hear a track from that album? At least every show? No. Why?
1: I would agree with you and some and some would arguably say i had uh, one really close friend who was a mentor to me and has now passed away he, he his big argument was with the stations and also the record companies because they don't have to negotiate with dead musicians right they can just you know um use their material any way they want and don't have to pay them no, and that. you know so um no i i don't disagree with you there that uh, we really should have more focus on contemporary artists and by artists who are making music now and who are building reputations now.
0: And to build on what we were talking about before. So we got Bradford Marcellus and he did one of my favorite projects ever, Buckshot Le Funk. Now I want you to think of how many people we lost because mm-hmm. the jazz community exercised that, like didn't want to talk about that, didn't want to promote that and nothing. All the artists that are big right now that could have been featured on a jazz track and then got more people into our space.
1: Um, well, I think with that comment, I think without understanding the context of why and how decisions get made, um, it's hard to. Let me just say, I won't judge that. Uh, no, and to your point, you were making, you know, just no, a, I want to a, hear your point. <laughs> a, 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 a statement. I think you're all artists are always navigating um, these spaces between my passion and my talent uh, and what I really want to do and for some and frankly that's one of the reasons why I'm very happy to have remained an independent artist for 30 years because I can get to select and choose whatever I have want to put on this recording Um, you know in, in, in this with this particular case I was thrilled to have Ernest Turner, the pianist, who's a seasoned, wonderful, emerging musician arranger. He's phenomenal. I entrusted him to be the producer because I knew I needed to get out of my way and out of my head. And he has talent and skill beyond um, beyond my own in terms of helping me bring some of these ideas to fruition and bringing the project to fruition. But at the end of the day, you know, pretty much it was within my control. Mm -hmm. Um, I say that because I'm not saying that you're completely beholden to a record company or to a manager, but uh, if you have other constraints or restraints on what you are putting out into the marketplace, um, there may be decision makers beyond what you and I see. And even in the context, um, I I can speak from a personal perspective, uh, one of two of the early recordings that I did, I love them. Uh, some of the music I, th- I hear it now. I don't say that I cringe, but would I have put it out now? Probably not.
0: Um, no, so no, no, think, no, no, no. You got to answer that. What were the cringe parts about it? I, I just got to know. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: I think I would have gone back in and refined it a little bit more, Ser- seriously, or I would have. Um, um, I'm thinking um, there are a couple of instrumentals, because I like doing, I'm, I'm a writer at heart. I am feel so fortunate and blessed that I have a voice and I can sing. But my goal with my music has always been songwriting and storytelling. Uh, and so I get to do that as a vocalist, um, but in my heart, I can just sit in the room and write. Uh, and hopefully one of these days, someone else will want to do something with these songs. Um, but I look, I think back to my first CD, um, which was called Sunrise uh, in 1999, I think it was. Uh, there are a couple of, and in fact, Tom Brown, the, the trumpet of Tom Brown, Funkin' for Jamaica, Tom Brown's on that recording. Uh, beautiful job uh, on it, but there are one or two of the tunes that I would have um, not released in their current form. Um, and And it wasn't the musicians, it was my, they weren't developed to the point that I would like them listening to them now. So that's another reason why, you know, I go into my non-judgmental space when people make statements because you can't get inside their hearts and brains and figure out why they feel that way.
0: No, I understand that thing. I was just saying, as I tease it in other people's stuff before, I'm like, If you are a jazz artist and you're able to get Drake on a track, and I know some people listening to this is like cringing right now that I just said that, but I'm just saying you open the billboard space right now. A lot of us. Okay. The only person who made billboard right now is a girl from Iceland and Andre 3000. And that's a whole
1: <laughs> other thing right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. I, 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 I understand what you're saying. And the idea of particular collaborations and moving across um, quote unquote genres, mm-hmm. you know, not compartmentalizing music, because good music is good music. We grew up listening to country music. Um, my brothers had, and, and sister, older sister, they had a, a soul rock band. I cut my teeth on Jimi Hendrix. Buddy Miles, um, this broad range of music. So we heard everything. And when I listen to uh, groups that I love, like War, you know, from the uh, from the 70s, they had jazz. They had um, all types of music involved there. So uh, I understand what you're saying about Drake being on a track. But my question would be, as long as a true collaboration and both artists feel like their um, aesthetics are being represented fully. Um, why not give it a shot? No,
0: I say give it a shot. And uh, Right now, the main person doing that is Robert Glasper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And some of his, I will not want to say remixes, but his versions of popular songs, millions of views on YouTube and everything. Mm-hmm. But once yeah. again, yeah. the jazz community is kind of split on him.
1: Well, 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 see, this is the thing, and and even when you say the jazz community, it's interesting how relationships and partnerships get formed. I was very fortunate that in the mid-'90s, late-'90s, when I was involved with IAJE, the International Association of Jazz Educators, I got to meet again my mentor, Donald Mead, and we started this little legacy society in his name because you know, we were sitting out in the lobby. He introduced me to Ray Brown, right? The great bassist Ray Brown. He introduced me to um, uh, Diana Krall. You know, he introduced me to these people. And so I got to meet people because of him. Would I have maybe met those people eventually? Maybe, but he was that conduit. And my point here, Leander, is you also have to think about Who is in what space and how do people uh, intersect in ways where they might even forge some type of collaboration? You know, I'm a fairly, um, I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert, but I'm a fairly outgoing person. And in those spaces, I'd go into sessions and sit. And for years, people didn't even know that I was a singer. I was just there to listen and to absorb it all. So my point again here is when you question why people aren't collaborating, there could be any number of reasons for that. But I'm like you. I hope that folks are open to it and are proactively um, thinking about it.
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure I don't know how deep you go into the jazz community. There's some cringe introverted conversations (laughs) that are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into that, but. but
1: (laughs) And I I will say I do not consider myself to be an insider um, other than I have some strong personal relationships that I really value so I don't get into the politics of, of a lot of things.
0: I mean i get into the politics of it because it's a dying well, field so here we are yeah, trying to keep no, 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 it alive no, 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 good, <laughs> and i got a whole subsection of people no,
1: I'm, I'm 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 glad you do no i'm <laughs> i'm really glad that you do that means that you're passionate about it and you really care about it and that was what i wanted to ask you when we were coming on so what lit this fire for you um and 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 to do this good that you're doing through this important forum that you have here,
0: I mean, to be honest with you, if you listen to like the first few episodes, it's my jazz friends venting on how much they hate the jazz community. The jazz community hates young musicians I've truly but, but see, believe but, that but,
1: <laughs> but 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 see this is the thing we don't have a jazz community without the young musicians, so I don't. I I would have to
0: disagree with you on that because the truth is, you go into a jazz club, it's middle-aged to older people, there are no young people in there.
1: Okay, so let's let's stop right here. I had the great pleasure, and I'll have to send you a link to the little- um, Don't give me the
0: exception, come Uh, on. No, 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 no,
1: no. (laughs) I'm going to give you an exception because I do not want to perpetuate it if it's not exactly completely true. I opened uh, a new venue here in Durham, North Carolina, Missy Lane's, African-American woman is running it. Great, right? Great space. I had the honor of christening that stage two and a half, three weeks ago now. Of course, Ernest on piano, young bassist, who's maybe a lot younger than my son in his thirties, Donovan on drums, great audience. Would I say maybe 50% of the people were over 50? Yeah, but the other, there was a strong, particularly at the second set, there were at least 20, 30% of the people who were under 35. So I think part of that's the venues too, How because this well, venue- Well, the venues, so I can go Na- over that so, too. <laughs> so Nate, Nate um, Smith was the drummers there um, a couple of weeks ago, sold out show. Great audience, great mix in the audience. Um, So I'm pushing back only to say, I think we don't want to make stereotypes. Yes, there's way too much of it. And when I look out in audiences, yeah, there are way too many old old gray people my age. I have no problem with that. I'm just looking Uh,
0: 30, 40 years down the line. uh, Who's going to be here?
1: Yep, And I know know, most people
0: don't care about that.
1: (laughs) No, I think a lot of people do, and I think they're having the same discussion in classical music, right? In classical music, yep.
0: Well, classical music, that's, like I said, it's subsidized. I love Jazz at Lincoln Center, but it's subsidized. So if the government was not paying for a great amount of it, it wouldn't exist. Yeah, The New York Philharmonic cannot survive without the tax breaks. Yeah, it's important. Unfortunate. (laughs) From the Met Orchestra also. I mean, yeah. opera. Yeah. I'm sorry, people. Opera, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yes. Me,
1: me, meanwhile, back at Durant, yes. we are doing everything. I tell people what one of the joys for me is standing on the stage and literally there are often three generations, right? Me being the oldest. And it's something about that intergenerational interplay. And I learned so much from them. I'm sharing with them. They're sharing with me. And I think, though, you have to... For me, it comes down to respect. Uh, Coming back to this recording, the title track, Love Always, right? Mm -hmm. Love Always, No Matter What. Doesn't mean I'm not going to criticize you. Um, It doesn't mean that we're not going to disagree. But I'm going to stay in that space of what can we do to move beyond these points of tension to a point where we have this mutual respect and I dare say love and it doesn't always have to be pretty, sometimes it's going to be messy, um, sometimes we need a big break from each other, um, but stay in that place where we feel like we're moving toward um, trying to be loving and re- and the loving kindness and the respectfulness for each other.
0: Okay, so I guess got to ask you this one, okay? So the biggest person that the public, we're not just talking to jazz community, Labels as jazz right now uh-huh. is a girl from Iceland. Okay. Uh-huh. This girl has more streams than John Coltrane and Miles Davis combined times three. Uh-huh. Why is everyone exercising this girl? Why is uh-huh. our best artist not playing with this girl? She clearly has the fan base of middle school to college. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let's want to know the opinion on that. I.
1: I am. Not embarrassed to say, I don't know. I would think that, I, I would think that there have been people who have reached out to her, uh, or that she is reaching out to. You know, it takes time. Again, there may already be some things in the works that we don't know about or haven't seen yet. Um, part of it, too, is let's just face it. Particularly in America, you know, we ha- we have a type that, um, you know, we 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 do. We 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 have we have a type that and that we want to gravitate toward. Um, whether it's jazz singers or, you know, and I'm so happy for Taylor Swift's success, but, you know, come on. I mean, that's, in in America, that's what we do. Uh, I don't want to say anything about this young woman. Again, I'm happy for her success. I don't know a whole lot about her. I'm sure that she's talented. Why others aren't looking to work with her? I, I can't speak to that, Leander, I really okay. can't.
0: But that's just my whole thing on like the jazz community, like not utilizing the beauty of something that could grow into something bigger.
1: Mm-hmm. And and there she, she sold things. out
0: the Vanguard like four nights in less mm-hmm. than like five minutes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now we know the Vanguard ain't really big, but it's right. one of the pinnacle spots in mm-hmm. the jazz community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But I say. Yeah. People don't like young jazz artists,
1: and but this is the thing too. I think that um, just from what I have heard and read, I think that um, that she seems to have a spirit of someone who wants to, who is respectful of jazz, wants to fully embrace it. Um, so let's hope that there will be some collaborations coming really soon, and and some ways that that the jazz community writ large can leverage. This notoriety and the highlighting of jazz, but that's another argument right there. What is jazz and what is not jazz, right? No, I'm a big person on that. Questions, right?
0: So I understand there's traditional jazz, there's more contemporary jazz, folk jazz, free jazz. We could go on the whole thing, but what I'm saying is, like, when I pick up Downbeat magazine, it's like every year it gets thinner thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner.
1: But did this is the thing but let's just be realistic most print publications have gone out of business period so the fact that they're even still sending it in the mail we, I'm happy to see it when I get it local newspapers have all gone under it it's the it's the swift change in um in media okay. period
0: but let's go, okay so. I agree with you that part Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated just went under but what I mean by so if downbeat goes down what else do we really have as a jazz community? There is no jazz site. Right. When we go on the, the streaming thing, we don't get streams if you don't get promotion.
1: Right. So in the, we- same, in the same way that it's sort of been this um, deconstruction of whether it's the music industry, uh, whether it's media in general, you know, somebody was saying the other day, I don't know where to look for shows. Somebody said, "Oh, it's streaming on Apple or streaming here or there." Where well, it used to be, you knew where to go. I think it's the same way in the music industry, and 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 as and jazz too is similar. Where do you go? Jazz times, no, you know, it, a lot of these places that were the, um, you know, the the sort of um, beacons uh, as I was coming up, they no longer exist in that way. So. More, even more important that you are doing the kind of work that you are doing.
0: Okay, thank you, but not the answer you want to hear. Not, not, not the answer that, that it's you want to hear, but people were listening when we were ranting and beating up on jazz, and I'm like, yeah, let me take this a little bit more serious. But yes, that's pretty much a short story, and my engineer is yeah. awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 and I really do think um, it's hard to wrap your head around the pace of change in certain. Industries and just a lot of industries now. Um, I am saddened that we don't really have a, a local public, uh, a, a local newspaper here, really anymore. I mean, it's so it's no, I that pace that. of change in in every area of our lives. But I think uh, when you have a platform like the one you have, um, when you find that there are spaces and places that you can support or collaborate with, and maybe this combined with something else will then become the place to go to understand I what's mean, going on in the if jazz if the
0: show was to even grow that big mm-hmm. it would always be a jazz based show I would have other artists on all the time from other dramas but mm-hmm. like I was saying before some of the hardest people to get on the show are jazz artists mm-hmm. and I'm like being real I mean because I'm still in this scene I'm like my man you're not that busy Yeah. I, okay I'm sorry if you don't have a schedule like Winton, if you don't have a schedule like Robert Glasper, like, come
1: on. Let me push back on that too. Okay, go. <clears throat> we just talked about everybody is having to make the ends meet, right? Uh, you are an artist, it's true, but I'll give you an example. Some of the artists I work with, you may be in the recording studio working with somebody, and i an example of, you know, one of my uh, bandmates, but then I'm teaching adjunct at a university two or three days a week, because, you know, that's part of my um, part of my income. Mm. So teaching two or three days a week means I have students and I have some private students I have to teach. Then if I'm a, pe- a person who is married with no, a family... I understand you know, it, all of it's, that. It's, it's, it does build under- up.
0: But what right, I'm it's, saying it's, is that, but you still, <laughs> even though, and I had a big rant on this that surprisingly went jazz viral. Jazz viral means four people listen to it, just so you know. Okay, so and I was just complaining about how we're killing our own thing. So, Mm -hmm. how are you not subscribed to Downbeat but every album you do, you send to Albie, Downbeat, wanting a review. So, when it comes to this, it's like, how are you not putting yourself out and not promoting your product right, but expect right. people to magically find it and listen to it
1: and, how, and And you know what and I will tell you had it not been and I'll shout out to Max at Crossover for Max I really probably would not have known about your and I do a lot of searching on things around jazz and all that right mm. and so that's part of it too if you don't have representation if you don't have a manager and particularly for people who are independent artists like me you know And it's up to you. For example, I -hmm. spent, before I got on the call with you today, um, I pride myself on trying to stay up to date on whether it's technology and other things and being fairly self-sufficient. So I'd spend an hour and a half trying to figure out how to get um, a sound clip behind a little um, video promo that I wanna do for the CD. Yeah, I have somebody who can do it for me. I'll I'll hand it off to him. But my, my point is that that was an hour of my time right there because I'm a self-contained unit, right? Yes, yes. So, and if I, fortunately, I don't have a gig tonight, but if I did, that means I got to show up for 3.30 for the rehearsal. I'm not in any way um, complaining. I have a wonderful existence and a wonderful life. Uh, and I'm not an artist who is working all the time uh, who at the pace that some other artists are. So all I'm saying, Leander, is... <laughs> Give people a little grace, continue to push and press, and ask the question, where are people getting their information, right? Uh Where are they getting information? My, again, a couple of people- Where are jazz people getting information? Right, where are they getting their information? Honestly,
0: I think they have their little click in circles and they just pass it around. Because I don't see that as a true pipeline. There's some people who have that big of a presence and a following, like Mm -hmm. four of us in the whole community.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm Mm -hmm. talking players. Right. Right. The rest of them are just there.
1: So let me ask you this. So when you think about organizations and institutions that you are affiliated with, Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, what you do here is educational. It really is. It's highlighting artists. It's culturally important. Right. Are you a member of, Jen, of the Jazz Educators Network? No. No. Okay, 50 bucks, join, please. No, I'm very serious.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna are write you, it down right now, okay?
1: Write it, it's J-E-N, Jazz Educators Network, right? Mm-hmm. Join. That's where you should be when they have their conference and stuff to actually meet people in person. They can meet you. You can do, you should have a panel. You should, you should- A panel's anybody, cringe, man. No, 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 li- listen to me, <laughs> hear me out.
0: You like they tried to have it the panels over here. I think I forgot what it was. It was Jazz. Ah.
1: No, but, It was but Jazz
0: Network is, here. They had it in co-
1: No, no. Okay. This is what I'm saying. When you're part of these big conferences that they are set up to do these things and they can give you the infrastructure to make it easy. They're basically saying, for example, to somebody Leander, you 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 submit an idea. I really want to have a uh, I want to host a panel around um uh, collaborations and partnerships to elevate, you know, um, jazz. Whatever you want to name, you, whatever it could be, right? Okay. So what I'm saying is, you have thousands of people there, young people, working musicians. If you look at the lineup of people who were there, John Clayton, everybody's there, right? Yes, ma'am. So, and, and a division of that is the African American Jazz Caucus, and uh, my friend Dr. Tranes Robinson Martin heads the African American Jazz Caucus those are the kinds of forums i'm not saying that they solve all the problems i know i understand but at least they are at least they are forums to have the kinds of conversations with people i think who you would get a lot of support well
0: see the fence i will join this there is a nice lady from germany that's been inviting me to come to theirs so that is true but There used to be a jazz thing called Jazz Connect, and it was just cringe on cringe on cringe. I went one year and I was just like, yeah. And there was a panel of just radio people, Mm -hmm. and they were talking about this and this and this, and I was literally the youngest person there. Mm -hmm. And I said, when are you going to start playing people under 30 on your tracks, on your stations? Mm -hmm. And they were so proud to say, well, we don't really know many. And I was just like, (laughs) okay, I'm done
1: so look so this is the thing when we finish this call and when you have time just poke around the gen site and the great thing about that is you have the ear and audience of the young people coming up right these are the this is who this is for this is these it's for the folks that we just talked about when you talked about why aren't there, we playing more music and things like that. So anyway, it's it's at least one forum that I think you can connect with, okay. and you would have a lot of like-minded folks there. Um,
0: but I also try to tell them point blank some mm-hmm. of the hard truth that they don't want to hear. Like, no, no, no. Do you really want to have- go to a conservatory? Because no, I, no, no. I, <laughs> I tell them you have
1: people there who will agree with you. I'm telling you, there are people from lots of different camps there, whether you want to go through an HBCU program, whether you want to go, they have community college programs, whether you want to do independently, there are all kinds of people there because education is a a very broad um, tent, right? So learning, let's put it that way. It's about learning. And anyway.
0: Okay. No, no, no. I I appreciate the rant. Like I said, I (laughs) learn from people too. And I tell people, there are people who came out here and checked me hard. Like they just... Mm -hmm beat me up on an interview. Mm-hmm. I could tell you their names after. Like one of them, I'm just like, yo, you're kicking my butt here.
1: No. <laughs> but, but you know what, but that in itself, I think is really good and I admire the fact that um, you allow that kind of space and that's the kind of exchange that we ought to be having. I don't know everything, I never will. I, as I'm growing and learning in my art, in my life, I mean, I'm the seventh of 10 children. So I tell people all the time, you can't hurt my feelings. You cannot call me any name. I have not been called. You know, I'm the peacemaker. I'm the compromiser. I, but that's a place that I want to, I want to, a uh, space I want to hold. It has meant the world to me to get pushback from people and get other people's opinions about things, whether you want it or not. So I embrace that. Am I going to agree with everything that you say? Probably not. But when I leave a conversation, I've... Already. I've learned a lot from you here and I appreciate this.
0: Okay. Well, one other thing that I also say to people is because, first of all, one of seven, I mean, you're seventh of 10. Yes. Well, there's a lot of stuff that Mm -hmm. my older siblings introduced me to. So you have a lot of people in my generation who don't really have kids. Yes. So they don't, they're not introduced to stuff. Right. Another reason why it's not growing.
1: It's not grow, and um, I referenced earlier, you know, growing up, because see, you know again, I had brothers who were. Uh, over in Vietnam, and, you know, and, um, you know, we listened to all kinds of music that they like. We had soul music, we had gospel music. We had all kinds of music, you know, um, in, in the house all the time. You know, my brother, when he moved to D.C., my birthday present was always an album. You know, I remember when the Brothers Johnson's first album first came out, and I loved that because it was produced by Quincy Jones, so it yeah. had that little jazz edge to it, right? Uh, my He bought me... Uh, Donald was his name uh, it was a George Benson so George Benson was like a gateway to me to really straight ahead jazz because I love George Benson so much it's like let me listen to the other stuff and of course you know his early work was straight ahead jazz yes. and where right? did he make
0: his money that's what I tease people on yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. maybe yeah. he was on to something I'm just saying and, Grover yeah, Washington Jr. And- Grover <laughs> Washington Jr. was I think yeah. that's what he was oh
1: yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just Mr. Think Magic. A right. lot Mr. of us Magic, didn't. Ro- Washington, Roy Ayers. Bob um, James. You know, I think a lot the- of them
0: were pushing it. And guess what? Mm-hmm. They got the backlash. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. somebody pointed out way earlier when I just started, like Herbie Hancock's Sun
1: Sign album. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, Downbeat beat up on that. And I'm like, really?
1: But you know, really? what? but maybe I should say <laughs> this. and but, but, And... How does Downbeat get to decide what is acceptable and what is not? Because I mean, that's the
0: jazz it, it, magazine mecca.
1: I, I understand <laughs> that. That's why we need more more um, legitimate, um, quote unquote, forums and not rely on that. What was the story that just came out? Uh, not just came out, but with Rolling Stone and how, you know, they never wanted to feature you know, black people were never worthy of having a real story unless you were with somebody else. You you didn't have their blessing. Mm-hmm. That was MTV that also, come on. That, <laughs> it's, right, right, it's that kind of madness. And now we're in an age and a time where, like our conversation, you can produce high quality things. We need to do more of that and not rely on the gatekeepers to sanction something that they don't understand. I'll never forget. I did a, a concert, and I always include, uh, nearly always include, spirituals or, or um, spiritual music in my performance. And there was somebody from the classical, um, you know, some classical critic, hadn't. Did not understand what I was doing, but had something to say, gave this rave review and made some remark about something that seemed, you know, out of place. Or And I'm going, please, okay. you don't understand the context of the music, so I why beat would up, I even care?
0: I beat up on the jazz critics, but the truth is the classical ones are worse. <laughs> if you have anyone that ever went to any conservatory from Juilliard to Curtis or anything, they will all tell you that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah at least graduate from those universities and be in an orchestra if you're going to criticize me. Nah, some Uh of these people didn't even do Uh that. -hmm. So, I agree with you on that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. if you will allow me, I do want to get back to this recording just for a minute.
0: Of course. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's my fault. (laughs) No, it
1: is not. It's a problem
0: I have. Yes. We go off sometimes. It is not a
1: problem. I I, I, I love your your spirit, man. I really do. Um, So, I'm hoping that. As I said to Max, um, I wanted to get out into the world for a lot of reasons. Uh, One, because I think it's at a level of quality that a lot of people will really appreciate and connect with. Um, When I think about the breadth of the stories, for example, 40 first cousins. I mentioned I was seven of 10 children. I literally grew up with 40 plus first cousins. And I did a lot of writing you know, during the pandemic, and this one song was written for my cousin Barbara, who was an early casualty of COVID. That classic story, her daughter dropped her off at the hospital, never saw her alive again, because this was early 2020, pre-vaccines. Uh, and this one was for Barbara, and it's reminiscent of our childhood in a rural area. It starts with we worked in the fields walked long country roads pumped the water from the wells you know it's about that type of um youth that i'm so deeply proud of and that made me who i am today and to be able to convey that and knowing that it's personal but it's also universal um, and hopefully will provoke other people to think about um what is and was important to them and the people who were and are important to them. So um, um, that's what my hope is with this project, is that people will connect with it, um, one song, two songs, several songs, um, and maybe it will trigger them to, to document something in their lives. I do view my music as documentary art. Uh, that's the space and place I am in my life right now. Okay.
0: Well, like I said, it's not really much I could say bad about the album if that's what you're waiting for. It's not one of those. Now, I had some that came on and I was just like, yeah, I didn't really feel it. (laughs) But yes, I did like it. Okay?
1: Yeah, yeah, good, good. No, no, no. And I didn't say that to, you know, to to wonder whether or not you liked it. I just wanted to convey the spirit in which it was given. Uh, And that's who I am as a person and who I am as an artist. I'll give you what's in my heart, and i leave it there. If you accept it and take it and find something useful in it, then that's great. If you don't, then that's your personal choice. My feelings are not hurt.
0: Okay. So, another question I was just going to ask off this. Since we don't really have as many albums like this right now, why do you think that is?
1: You referenced it earlier in our conversation to um, produce a high-quality recording um, may not be as expensive as it used to be, but it's still very expensive. Uh, In terms of dollars, time, energy, it it takes a lot. Uh, And particularly now, the way music is consumed, most people are literally almost having to give away the music and making their, many of my artist friends, rather, and making their living in um, on live concerts or things related to the music so that would be the first thing the second is that i think our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter particularly in this country people don't want to sit down and listen to a whole album my husband and i still do we still have physical cds right and that's why i printed i will we will put six or seven in the uh, cd in the player And just listen to them. Whatever pops up, it's a great surprise, and you listen to the entire CD. Um, So I think those are there. There's several reasons for that, but I think the, the main two are: it's expensive to do, and what is your goal in doing it? As I said, for me, my music is documentary art, and I wanted to document these songs and these stories and document it in this way. For some musicians who are even earlier in their careers are some who are not as interested in you know in documenting it in that way and sharing it that way. You know, I understand why people are doing EPs or just, you know, one thing at a time to see if it's going to have an audience before they invest their time in doing a full album. D- does that make sense to you? I mean,
0: no, I agree on that. I just think the I, I think the whole I don't want to say but the whole experience of just sitting down and enjoying an album, that's mm-hmm. long gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: There's there, there's still people who, you know, who do. Um, and usually that's, again, in the privacy of your own home or if no, you're hosting I, a party or something well, like even that. Even
0: then, they're not going to do like, I don't know how deep you are in just the sound experience. But mm-hmm. if you oh, got, I am. Okay. So if you got title... And you have like the 360 surround sound, or you have the right. Dolby speakers. Flyer, and, oh, yeah. Okay, you're, you're about that. Audio okay, flyer, yeah. no one's really spending money on that anymore.
1: Although, but but there are other alternatives too. For example, you, I have uh, you know uh, some Bose headphones that are just uh, amazing, right? So for Jeez. me, yep. Oh. So for me, that that experience is uh, is equivalent to. Um, you know, back in the day when I would put on my albums, drop that album, put that needle down, hear that wax. I still love that. But now the convenience of listening to it, if I'm sitting in an airport for two hours, I can listen. No, no, I agree
0: with you. The headphones are great, but Mm -hmm. I have this friend and this guy's loaded. This guy has like an $80,000 system. Mm -hmm. And if you hear that, first of all, as much as I love vinyl, it can't compete Mm -hmm. with the digital aspect. But it's just like, I don't see people, even with money like that, mm-hmm. willing to invest or spend so, that much so, on that.
1: So my pushback there uh, is yes. that, see, we, we are assuming, we really have no way of knowing whether or not people are listening to, you know, songs in sequence the way they used to because it's so much more of a personal experience now because of technology and everything else it's so much more of a a personal experience not to say it's the same but often when I'm working or doing something there's music on or I'll even say hey I can't say L-A-L-E-X right now because it'll come on in the background Um, you know to play a whatever you know I shuffle songs by, and I will listen to, for example, the other day I wanted to hear Earth, Wind & Fire. I'm in the house doing stuff for four hours and it did it, I had it play on Amazon Music hour by hour, full albums, right? Mm -hmm. So they may not be, it may not appear that it's being consumed the same way and you're probably right. But my point is, we don't know for sure. That's an interesting question. I mean, I don't know
0: every single person in the world, <laughs> so you're 100% <laughs> right. I'm just saying, if we're comparing it to the scale of 1980,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even 1990, even before Napster, it's nowhere mm-hmm. near what it was before. Oh. The right. digital era, which, once again, record labels couldn't compete or drop right. the ball on right. that greatly, right. just, right. just changed the whole industry.
1: But there's so much more of it, though, too. But think about it. That's you good and bad can produce it's good and bad, I agree because quality is for me is about quantity and not quality um you know, and you can have a home set up now, and you know it's you know back in the day, Prince was talented when he did it, right when Prince put together, but now anybody who wants to call themselves a musician can produce something splice dice there you go, you can put it up get so it there's this whole range of to choose from, as opposed to back in the day when you really did rely on record companies and particular structures and systems to to offer you music.
0: Okay, that's fair, but I disagree on that, but that'll be another 20 minutes deep rant <laughs> that we're not trying to do. On I your love episode. your
1: disagreement. I, no, I your agree disagreement. with your
0: stuff. It's just that I'm just like, do you, how far do you want to go down the rabbit hole?
1: So so it's funny, you, uh, Leander, my friends, and I don't think you'll be surprised after this conversation. Um, one woman said, you're a glass half full kind of gal, aren't you? <laughs> and I am. It's just who I am. It's not that I don't see the reality of things. And I, you know, I, you know, I see things as they are. But for me personally, I really often have to say, am I seeing the full picture? Right. Is there something here that I'm not seeing? Is my opinion of this biased in some way? uh, Or am I just hoping for something that isn't there and projecting what I want onto somebody else, right?
0: I think it's the latter. And I give you an example of that. Mm -hmm. Billboard doesn't even print their jazz charts anymore. You have to go digital to even view Mm -hmm. it. Mm Because that little, Mm -hmm. it's not moving the needle that much for them to even care. Right and like i said that's just the beginning of the end mr i know people call me negative but i'm just mm-hmm. like dude
1: no you 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 that is the reality all the more reason why what will replace it and be even better what will serve
0: i, I would say the, even better but i already know what will replace it i will tell you that after which is something okay. i'm just like mm-hmm. ah you're killing me mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 so a few other things and then i'll let you go ma'am okay yes Since you've been around in the music world long, what has been the biggest change that you witnessed?
1: We've talked about a couple of them. The way music is made um, and consumed has changed dramatically. You know, the reliance on artists to have to, you know, go through record companies and be beholden to them. Um, There's much more appetite for an opportunity to produce high quality independent recordings and get them out there in the hands of people. Uh, I know, as you would push back and say, maybe not to the degree that they ought to be, but I, I think that's a good thing for the most part. Um, and the way people consume music now, um, there's, as we noted, there's pros and cons. Um, for example, with my son on his playlist, you know, he'll have everything from a Robert Glassbar bar to, um, to whomever, right? You 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 can mix and match um, music a lot easier than you used to. Yes. Um, so so I think there are so many more opportunities to be exposed uh, to music, even whether it's on a a streaming service, Spotify or something. Well, if you like this, then you'll like that, and they may suggest something for you. Um, so I think there's there's more opportunity to to do that. I think what has Change that I'm not thrilled about. I think we have seen a decline in what is considered professionalism in music, um, jazz, and everything else. You know, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to be a gatekeeper. But there is a difference between an amateur and a professional. I mean, for years, of course, you know, I had little gigs and things like that, but before I ever stepped foot on a stage to say I was singing jazz, I knew the repertoire. I had paid some dues in the good sense, you know, I had studied it. I had, and not that there's any single formula to do that, but I just think um, it's not okay to give yourself a label as a professional musician or artist of any type um, without some type of credential or, um, or experience. And so that pains me. Okay. <laughs> Not that that hadn't always been the case, and, but I think we see more and more of it now.
0: Okay. Question on that though. I'm just curious. I have no offspring. So the question is, so when your son actually listens to music, does he listen to it? Or is it background music?
1: He listens to music, and not as much now because he has a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they also listen to all kinds of music. Um, but he genuinely listens because you know he—he's you know, turned me on to some artists and. Um, I think some years ago, I think it was Snarky Puppy or somebody he was listening to. And he really, you know, he, he, that it it, it was, it popped up on his playlist and he's like, have you heard of this, have you heard this group? You know, whatever. And, you know, he had a sort of sandwich in between or whatever else he was listening to. But um, yes, so he, he, he he really appreciates music at that level. Uh, Whether or not he listens to it as much as he used to, maybe not because, you know, with two little ones, it's a little challenging.
0: Okay. If you could remove all the barriers and all the constraints, what would be your dream project and who would be on it?
1: Oh oh my God. Wow. If I could remove all the barriers and the constraints, who would be on my dream project? I would have um, Terry Lynn Carrington. I would have Um, Terrence Blanchard because he makes me cry with his trumpet. (laughs) (laughs) There's just so many people. I would have Kenny Garrett. I would have everybody. Maybe there'd be this. I would have Kenny Garrett. I would have... um, uh, Let's see who I would have. That's a tough one. There's so many... um, there's so many.
0: It'd be a Lois and Friends album.
1: Yes, it really would be a Friends. And we would, and depending on the song, we'd mix and match people together. And we'd do a lot of just improvisational stuff. Somebody would start a groove and, you know, then somebody else would. And then I'd put a little lyric on top, maybe, or I uh, may not even say anything. I would just, you know, I'd just sit back and let them do their thing. So um, there are okay. a lot of folks.
0: I feel you. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other one is, even though I'm pretty sure I know the answer in your case, if you could turn back time and talk to 18-year-old self, would you talk Mm -hmm. yourself out of being a musician?
1: No. What I would talk myself into doing is um, immersing in music more intensely. I've always immersed in music but I was dual career for most of my music career, genuine dual career. So I had another whole life. Um, so it, I would have immersed in music exclusively much earlier in my life. That's what I would have done. Uh, I, I, the, the other things I've done in my life, I'm very proud of. I've done a lot of nonprofit work uh, with organizations that's focused on education, and helping people um, have better qualities of life. Um, I'm very proud of the work that I've done. And it's really informed my music and my life in general. But I probably would have um, moved exclusively into the art realm because I'm so interested in doing more collaborations and partnerships with artists across um, art forms. I've done a lot of work with authors, with, you know, painters, with other types of with dancers and those are the types of collaborations i really love and would wish i had more time to do that
0: okay i understand and just so you know as i say there's always someone who comes on and says no i would tell them not to do it <laughs> and they have good reasons surprisingly at times oh yeah yes yeah okay yeah. so ma'am can you tell people your website where to find your album what platforms it's on because that's important now
1: <laughs> yes yes my website is loisdeloach.com ww You can find me on Instagram at lois dot L-O-I-S dot D-E-L-O-A-T-C-H. I'm on SoundCloud as Lois Deloach. I'm on YouTube um, as Lois. Deloach music, um, and oh, and love always. You can. It's going to be streaming everywhere uh, on all major platforms. You can get the physical CD on Amazon. dot uh, com, and um, it's going to be streaming on all platforms, Spotify, all of them.
0: Okay. <laughs> and everyone, check out Missy Lane's. Mm-hmm. It is a great spot there. Heavy hitters. I just checked, mm-hmm. and. Everyone, thank you. This is Leander from Improv Exchange. Have a good one. Thank you. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.